Thank you for tuning in to the audio podcast of Renaissance Church, a new church plant located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please check out our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like more information about joining the launch team of Renaissance, or if you would like information on how you can partner with us to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. All right. Well, again, welcome. It's so great to, to gather together today. If I don't know you yet, my name is James, and we are grateful to have a place every Sunday to come and worship and to um, read from the Bible and to learn what this means, who, who this Jesus is, and how he changes our lives and what it means to follow him. So as you saw, obviously, in the video, we're talking about joy this morning. Now, who is aware of the classic movie or story of The Grinch? Right? Raise your hand. Okay, we've got the Grinch right here. Right? So what's the, what's the basic story? And I'm sorry, like, if this is a spoiler alert, I mean, this story came out in 1957, so I think you've had time to, like, see. So if you don't know the Grinch story, I'm going to ruin it for you right now, okay? So the Grinch, um, he wanted to ruin Christmas for people called the Who's. They lived in Whoville. They're really strange people that really love Christmas. Well, the Grinch he doesn't like Christmas. He wants to ruin it for them. So he goes, he sneaks in, he takes all their Christmas stuff, steals their trees and their presents and their food and all of that. Um, and yet, even after he took everything, they still rejoiced because of Christmas. So he like steals everything. He's trying to steal their joy. And he takes it all back to his hideout and whatever. And then he still hears the people in Whoville singing because it's Christmas. I think the Who's understand Something important that joy is not found in stuff. Joy is not found in circumstances. Joy is a whole lot deeper than that. And as followers of Jesus, we can know that we can find joy no matter what. Even when things come and try to steal our joy, even when things happen in life around us, even when things don't work out like we thought that they would, there can be joy. And I love the end of that video that this is way more than just like, hey, put on a happy face, turn the frown upside down. This is something that changes the inside of us that is not based on what's happening around us. So the video said, it said this, it says, joy is an attitude adopted not because of circumstances, but because of God's love and promises. Followers of Jesus should be people of joy. How can we live that way? How can we live with joy in a world that's pretty messed up and broken? How can we live with joy in our daily lives? What is this? How can it impact the way that we live? Where does joy come from? What's the source of joy? We're going to get into that this morning. So as we continue, our series for Advent is called Joy to the World. And Advent is simply a time to proclaim joy to the world because Jesus has come to bring peace, hope, joy, and love. And as of today, Christmas is 10 days away. And if you're a kid, that's like an absolute eternity. 10 days till Christmas is a really long time. We have a paper chain at our house, and every day my son gets to tear off a piece because it's a visual of like, when's Christmas? Like it's, he, you know, he can say, we can tell him something's happening on Friday, and he'll say, is tomorrow Friday? No, tomorrow's not Friday. When's Friday? The next day? No. So we have to have like this visual paper chain, right? So for kids, 10 days is an eternity. For adults, it's like, okay, I still have a lot of things to do, and it's really close, right? So 
Who feels like their to-do list keeps getting longer and longer? That happens very, very easily, right? So next Sunday, we're going to celebrate together as a church. We're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus. We're going to have our Christmas service at Share the Warmth. And so if you've been around Renaissance for a while, we met at Share the Warmth this summer. It's in Point St. Charles. And so we have information at the end. We'll give you the address and all of that. But um, we'll be there for the next three weeks. I hope you can join us next Sunday as we celebrate Christmas. Um, Bring someone with you. In the back on the table, there's these little cards that say Joy to the World. Take a handful of these and give them to people. Invite people that they can um, that they can come and celebrate Christmas with us. As we have, we'll have Christmas music and all kinds of things like that. So we hope you can join us next week as we talk about how Jesus has come to bring love. In each of those pieces of Advent: peace, hope, joy, and love. But today, Jesus has come to bring joy. So we're going to read from a part of the Bible in, in, a, in a book of the Bible called Luke, one of the Gospels, one of the stories of Jesus, the life and birth, birth and life and death of Jesus. And in, the, in our scripture today from Luke chapter 1, we're going to see the announcement of the birth of Jesus, and we're going to see how that leads to joyful worship of God. So... Annabelle, you can come and light the candles. We have candles. Each candle is just a visual reminder, reminding us and representing um, this time of Advent as we prepare our hearts for Jesus to come. And so the first candle represents peace. The second candle represents hope. And then our candle today represents joy. So let's take a moment before we jump in, and let's just pray together again and ask God that our hearts would be um, open and ready to listen to what God wants to speak to us today. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful that you have shown us your love and grace. That as we gather as a church, as we celebrate Christmas in this time of year, we remember that Jesus, you came to earth. You gave your life for us. So, God, would you speak to our hearts today? God, would you help us to understand joy and where it comes from and how to find our joy in you? God, quiet our hearts from the busyness of life, from the discouragement, from the fear, from all the things that that seek to steal joy. And God, I pray that this morning that we would be reminded that our joy comes from you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if you've got a Bible, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, or you can follow along on the screen as we read it. So um, it's, it's a little bit long this morning, so track with me, um, and we'll kind of, uh, after I read it, I'll kind of go back through and give some context of some things that are happening. So Luke chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 26, um, so you can follow along in a Bible or on the screen. It says this, in the sixth month, The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. And will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. 
And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth, sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, and the baby, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Okay, so there's a lot happening there. Let's get some context. So, Mary and Joseph, um, they were part of God's plan for redemption. And, and so an angel comes to Mary, and Mary was uh, a young girl, most likely a, a teenage, um, teenaged girl. And if you can imagine, an angel appears to her, and she is like, what is happening? Because all of a sudden, there's this angel saying, hey, you're going to give birth. Um, you've never, you don't have a husband. You've never been with a man. You're going to give birth. And she's like, how does this work? And God begins to say, there's something else happening here. There's something special about this child. And so Mary, if you, you know, um, it says the angel came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And I love verse 29 because it says, But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. She's like, What you want? What are you talking about? Why are you coming to me? This is confusing, right? Um, and so this promise of a Messiah, of Jesus, that is coming. As we go through the story, we see um, it begins to talk about Elizabeth. And so there was a relative of Mary named Elizabeth. Elizabeth's husband was named Zechariah, and God had promised to them that they would have a son also. His son, this son was going to be named John, and later if you can read in the, you read in the Bible, it's John the Baptist is the name that he has. And so as Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, we hear the story of, in that moment, Elizabeth like recognizes, okay, there's something happening with Mary. Um, John in, inside Elizabeth like leaps for joy, so it's all kind of strange and weird, right? Um, but it's pointing to something, that this is not an ordinary baby. And it comes down and, and Mary begins to, really begins to like burst into song and sing and worship because of what God is doing. So all these things are happening as what the Bible calls fulfillment. All these things are happening as fulfillment of what God had promised. That God had promised that because of the brokenness and the sin of the world that he would send 
a Messiah. He would send one who would save people from their sins. And that is the story of of Jesus and this announcement of this Messiah that's coming. So let's look behind the scenes a little bit here. And there's really two things that I want us to notice. And when I say two things, that's pastoral speak for four things. As you can see here, we're going to focus on these, these two major, point, major points, which are really four points, right? Recognizing the revealing, that's fancy, right? And responding with rejoicing. I don't always try for things to start with the same letter. It just worked this time, right? Um, so recognizing the revealing and responding with rejoicing. What does all that mean? Here we go. Recognizing the revealing. So the passage, the scripture starts today, uh, the passage is full of stuff about Jesus. And this is before he was born, right? He um, he, He is in his mother's womb. And it's full of mystery, right? How many people like a good mystery? I love like mystery books. When I was a kid, I read like all the Hardy Boys books and everything, right? I love a good mystery movie or book, things like that. So the story of Christmas and really the, the Christian faith is full of mystery. There's an element of faith to this. There's an element of looking and seeing only God could do that because it doesn't make sense in our logical minds. This story does not make sense in a, in a logical manner. But we look at it and see the mystery of who God is and what he is doing. And we see the wonder and the mystery of Christmas, of the story of Christmas and how God is at work. And so the angel comes and announced to Mary that she would give birth to Jesus. So what did the angel say? If you look again at verse 32, um, he kind of gives this list of things. He says, he will be great, talking about Jesus. He will be the son of the most high, the son of God, right? Which was a really big statement. Right? These, were, these were Jewish people, and this was like completely out of nowhere to say, you're calling yourself the Son of God, which Jesus later would call himself the Son of God. It says he will reign as king, and then it says, and of his kingdom there will be no end. It's basically saying this is the king of all kings. This is the king to end all kingdoms. His reign will be for eternity. This is the Son of God, the Most High, Jesus, the fulfillment of God's promise and covenant. So this is a little bit of a side note here. What does all this mean? Because I want to jump into something to help us understand this. To help us understand that Jesus was not like, not just like any other baby. He was different. Because humans, you and I, we are born with what is called a sin nature. It means this, that we don't have to be taught to lie, to be selfish, to be unkind, to rebel, Right? We're pretty good at that on our own. We know how to do all of those things. This is our human sinful nature. It's natural for us to do our own thing, to rebel, to turn inward and be selfish. This sinful nature then is passed down from generation to generation. When you read the whole story of the Bible, the first people that God created they, they were in relationship with God. Everything was perfect, and yet they rebelled against God. They said, no, we want to do it our own way. We think our idea is better than God's idea. God, thanks for all you've done. See you later. We'll take it from here. And they rebelled against God. And since that time, sin has been part of every human life. And when you read the story, when you go back and read in the very beginning of the Bible, you see it immediately because the first people, Adam and Eve, when you start to read about their kids, they're literally like killing each other and hating each other and war is happening and all these things happen because of a sinful nature, a rebellious nature that is passed down from generation to generation. 
We see it continue in their kids and their grandkids and all the way to us. And, and, and some people may believe that, some people may not, but if we're honest, we know that that's the state of our heart. We know that we don't always do things the way that we should do them. And whether we think, okay, I've sinned against God, we sometimes say, you know what, I've sinned against like my own conscience. I've done something that I know I shouldn't have done and I feel guilty. The Bible describes it as sin. This is not a popular idea because here's what we like to think. We like to think that we're good people. Maybe we make some mistakes here and there, right? But in general, we're pretty good and we just need to, you know, learn some more, be better, act better, all those things. But this is not what the Bible teaches. Because the Bible says that all, it's a simple word, the original language is that means all, right? That's a pastor joke that you can laugh at if you want to. It means all have sinned. The Bible teaches that every single person has run away from God, has rebelled, has done their own thing, all have sinned. And scripture describes in Romans chapter, chapter 3 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It means that there's no way that we can get to God on our own because of our sin. Here's the, here's the, the exception. Jesus. But not Jesus. All have sinned, but not Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was not born in the typical way. He was born of a virgin of the Holy Spirit. And there's some mystery here. There's some mystery here to see that the same God who was able to speak all things into existence was able to have Mary become pregnant in a non-normal way, right? Because Jesus was not born in the usual way, the Bible teaches that Jesus was born without sin. He was born as God in the flesh, the one who would rescue us out of our sin and our brokenness. And not only that, Jesus was born as king, a king whose kingdom will never end. So the birth of Jesus was the fulfillment of the promises of God and God's plan for redemption for the world. Because all through the Bible, God is saying, and people, he is telling people to say, there's something that's going to happen. There is a Savior who's going to come. Because there's brokenness in the world. Things are not the way that they should be. But there is a Savior who is going to come. And Jesus is the fulfillment of that. He was no ordinary baby. He is the King of kings. The Bible describes him as the Messiah, which means the one sent from God. The Bible describes Jesus as Emmanuel, which is a word that means God with us. So much power in that phrase that he is not a God who is far away. He's not a God who is distant. He's not a God who has looked at us and said, man, you guys have really made a mess of everything. See you later. I'm done with you. No, he is God with us. It's the love that he has shown to us. Jesus is the way back to God. Jesus has come to bring joy. The joy that comes from being in relationship with God. And so, what we're seeing here, we're seeing the truth about Jesus. We're seeing who he will be, and it's being revealed. And so Mary, in that moment, got, the angel is saying, hey, this is who your baby is, right? This is who Jesus is. This is who he will be and what he will do. This is being revealed. So what happens when Jesus is revealed? So as the story continues, we see that Elizabeth recognizes 
that Jesus would not be an ordinary baby. So Mary takes a trip, goes to visit her relatives, goes to visit Elizabeth, who's also pregnant, and comes in. And in that moment, it says Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, and the baby inside of her leaps for joy because there's this recognition happening. And Elizabeth says, why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord would come to my house? And so, like, Elizabeth, by, by the power of God, is recognizing that the baby that Mary was going to have was not an ordinary baby. Elizabeth was recognizing that Jesus was special. That there was something happening here. She says, blessed, Elizabeth says, blessed is the fruit of your womb. She recognized who Jesus was, and it leads her to begin praising God and saying, Jesus is the one who deserves blessing, deserves worship, deserves praise. Because when Jesus is revealed... He can be recognized for who he is. The Messiah, the Savior, the King of Kings. And for us today, sitting here in Montreal, Jesus has been revealed to us. Jesus has been revealed through the Bible, through his word. He has been revealed through our own experience of what it means to follow him. He's been revealed in history and in our lives that Jesus is the one that saves us out of our sins. We have seen and we have heard of the beauty of Jesus and why he came. This has been revealed to us. And so we ask ourselves, are we recognizing the work of Jesus? Are you recognizing the work of Jesus in your life? The work of Jesus around you? The work of Jesus in the Bible and in history? Are we paying attention because we're talking about this revealing, recognizing the revealing, to say it correctly. Are we recognizing what God has revealed to us? Are we stopping long enough to say, oh, this is who Jesus is? Because as Jesus was revealed to Mary and to Elizabeth, there's a recognition. There's a worship that begins to come from that. So, are we paying attention? Point number two, responding with rejoicing. When Jesus is revealed and recognized, what is the response? And I think there's actually two responses. The first response is that we can ignore. We can say, okay, whatever, I don't believe that, I don't want that, I want to do my own thing. And we continue on in rejecting who God is in our lives. This is one response. The other response, though, is that we say, I now see who Jesus is, and I recognize that he is who he says he is, that he is the son of God. He is the one that will rescue us out of our sin. And my response then is rejoicing and following him and seeking after him. So we'll see in the passage that in our scripture today that the response was rejoicing. What is your reaction when you open a gift? Right? There's lots of different people that open, I mean, lots of different reactions. Some people open it and say, oh, cool, thanks, and they move on. Um, some people are like, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. Like when my kids, especially Mr. Christmas here, we call Brock Mr. Christmas. When, when, when Mr. Christmas opens a gift, he's like, it is the best thing ever. He is, there is a rejoicing that comes when he opens a gift. There's rejoicing that can come as a response when we see who Jesus is. So let's take a look again at Mary. Can you imagine, and for those of us that are, that are guys, we, it's difficult, right? But we can try. Can you imagine being Mary? You're living your life, and then all of a sudden, 
there's like angels and the Messiah and you're pregnant with the Messiah and the angel is saying like, hey, don't worry about it. Um, and you like are confused because none of this is normal. And you, you know, the, the scripture says she was betrothed to a man named Joseph, which was in essence kind of like engaged, like they were going to be married. And yet she's like, I'm something has to happen for me to have a baby, and that didn't happen. So, God, what is going on? I don't understand what is going on, right? I can't, you know, if you can imagine, her life is literally like being flipped upside down, and nothing was ever the same for her. But how does she respond to all of this? Mary responds, well, she responds with humility, but we also see she responds with rejoicing. She begins to rejoice. She begins to praise God because of his work in her life. And so when you go over to verse 46, there's a a segment here, and it's called Mary's Song of Praise, and there's a big fancy word, the Magnificat, right? And it basically is like she is like bursting into song, right? It's kind of like a musical, right? I'm not a huge fan of musicals. They talk when they should probably, they sing when they should probably be talking in musicals often, but that's kind of what's happening here. Elizabeth, she's with Elizabeth, and they're saying like, wow, this is amazing. Blessed are you, and then Mary begins to burst into song because of who Jesus is and because of what God is doing in her life, and she is rejoicing because of Jesus. In verse 47, it says, 46 says, my soul magnifies the Lord, in verse 47, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. That rejoicing has this meaning of deep gladness. Deep gladness in her life because of Jesus. She is lifting up her voice in worship to God for his greatness, his faithfulness, The fact that God keeps his promises. She is praising God for being willing to use her, a humble young girl, to fulfill his plan of redemption. Her heart is overflowing with worship of God. And this is the response that we see from her. That when Jesus is revealed, rejoicing follows. I didn't write this in my sermon, but I'll add another fancy R word here because I already kind of said this. When Jesus is revealed, there's either rejection or rejoicing. And every single person has to wrestle with that to say, you know what, I see who Jesus is. Maybe I believe this, maybe I don't. I'm either going to reject it or I'm going to rejoice in who God is, that he has revealed himself to us. But the birth of Jesus brings great joy and leads to great rejoicing because Jesus has come to bring joy. And we see that in this story. And there's a lot of other elements of this story that we didn't get into where where Mary is saying, God, I don't understand this. How is this going to work? And where God says, the angel says, for nothing will be impossible with God. The things in our life that seem impossible, we look and stand back and see that God can do what for us is impossible. There are other aspects of here, but the main thing that I want us to see is that as Jesus is revealed of who he is, there is rejoicing that follows from that. There's three things I want us to see to hopefully make this like real in our daily lives. The first thing is this, the challenge to recognize 
the revealed Jesus. This is a challenge that you and I have to say, are we going to pay attention? Are, we, are you looking for the work of Jesus around you? Are you going to recognize the revealed Jesus? Are you paying attention? Are you remembering? Are you taking time in your life to think about God? To remember what he's like? To remember who he is? To remember why Jesus came? Are you recognizing the revealed Jesus? Are you being reminded daily? Are you taking time to say, you know what? I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to let the Bible be a part of my like rhythm of life because I want to know more of who God is. I want this to be revealed to me. I want to recognize who Jesus is. We recognize the revealed Jesus when we take the time to be still, to quiet our hearts, and to pay attention. That's a challenge for every single one of us because there's always something else to do. There's always something else to watch, someplace else to go, someone else to see more laundry to do, whatever it is. There's always something else to do. But we will recognize the revealed Jesus when we take time to be still and to pay attention. And so I would challenge you, like today, this week, this Christmas season, recognize the revealed Jesus. Take time to be still and to think deeply about what it means that he has come. To wrestle with this truth. To wrestle with that truth to say, you know what? If I am sinful and broken, and I can't fix myself, but God in his love sent Jesus to rescue me out of my sin, well, what does that mean? It means that there's hope. It means that there can be forgiveness. It means that there is new life that can be found in Jesus. It means that we can be brought back into relationship with God. But the only way that we See those things is by taking time to wrestle through those things and be reminded of who Jesus is. So the first thing that I would challenge us to do is recognize the revealed Jesus. Pay attention. Look for the ways that he has worked in the past and the ways that he's working in your life now. Secondly, respond with rejoicing. This isn't so much something to do as it is something to, I think, like let happen. Right? Because when we experience the joy of Jesus in our lives, it naturally overflows and leads to praise. We see that in the story today. There is just like this bursting out that comes from Mary. She just bursts out in song. You don't have to do that in your daily life. You can do it maybe on your own, um, maybe not on the metro or something. But, you know, you, you, there is, there is a, a, a welling up that happens, a bursting out. When we are experiencing who Jesus is, there is a response. We respond with rejoicing. That when you and I, when you see the beauty and the greatness of God, rejoice. And you can, they kind of flow one to another. When we recognize who Jesus is and we take time to recognize the revealed Jesus, we think deeply about that and we ponder that, the response is going to be rejoicing. And think about your experience of life. For those of you that, are, that could consider yourselves followers, followers of Jesus, when you experience the forgiveness of sin, let it overflow in rejoicing. When you experience the healing of a relationship that was broken, let it lead to rejoicing. When you experience God's provision, when you experience peace in the middle of a storm, let the response be rejoicing. That it flows naturally. And in the words of Elsa from Frozen, let it go, right? <laughs> let the praise and rejoicing like erupt like a volcano out of your life 
Because it's the work of God in you that overflows in rejoicing. As we think about the fact that Jesus has come to bring joy, it's a simple truth of when we experience that joy in our lives, that joy flows out of our lives. Final thing to apply this morning. It's the challenge to live a life of joy. I've kind of talked about this in the previous weeks. In the first week of Advent, we talked about peace. And then last week, we talked about hope. And so this is the same idea here a little bit. But what does it look like for us as followers of Jesus to be people of joy? What would happen if we were, well, we talked about being people of peace, people that bring peace in the world around us, people that, are, that bring hope in our daily lives. But think about joy. What would happen if we lived this way? If we lived our lives with the joy of Jesus bubbling up and overflowing out of our lives, how would that impact your neighbors? How would that impact your friends? How would it impact people at school, the people you work with? How would it impact your own family members? If we are saying, because of Jesus... Because of what he has done in my heart, there is joy that's erupting out of my life and flowing out of my life. Because I think people notice joyful people, right? You ever see someone smiling and you're like, oh, wow, nice. They're smiling, right? It, 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 there's, there's science behind this fact that even just smiling is contagious. But the joy of Jesus, I would say, is even so much deeper than just a smile on your face, right? But people notice joyful people. And I'm not talking about faking anything. I'm talking about a natural response of rejoicing in our daily lives. In the, in, in the Bible, and, and there's a book called Galatians, and there's a, there's a list there. It's called the fruit of the Spirit, right? And, and sometimes it's, it's kind of talked about as if it's like fruits, like plural of the Spirit. And it says there's love, there's joy, there's peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those are all great things, and yet the Bible actually describes them as the fruit, singular, fruit of the Spirit. A better way to say it, I think, is an evidence of the Spirit of God in our lives. And so joy, when we think about joy, it's not something we can manufacture on our own. True biblical joy is not something that we just create because like, okay, I'm happy today, so I'm joyful. No, it is the evidence of the Spirit of God working in our lives. It is the evidence of Jesus in us coming out of our lives that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. That when Jesus changes our hearts, his Spirit lives in us. And as we surrender ourselves daily, becoming more and more like Jesus, the evidence of joy will be seen in us. So ask yourself this question, how can I bring joy to others? There's probably some really practical ways you could do, but underneath all of the practical, it's this. True joy will be given to others when you experience the joy of Christ in your own heart and it just naturally comes out because that's what you're experiencing in your life. At Christmas time, we sing the song, Joy to the World. It says, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. And so this morning, we say joy to the world because Jesus has come to bring joy. And as I was preparing for this, again, I, I, like some of these, last week we talked about hope, and I realized as I was studying for the sermon, I was like, man, like I don't even really sometimes know how to talk about this word hope. 
And the same thing happened this week with joy. Because it's easy to joy to think about like happiness and optimism and all of these things, which I think are components at times. We have to think about joy in a biblical way. And I would say this, that joy is often, in our lives, our, our joy, our happiness, if you will, is often linked to our circumstances, right? If things are good, I'm happy. If things are bad, I'm not. But our circumstances are unstable. Let's face it, you and I are unstable, right? It doesn't take much for us to have a bad day, right? But our circumstances are unstable, which is why true joy, true Biblical joy is only found in Jesus. Again, we saw in the video that joy is an attitude adopted, not because of our circumstances, but because of God's love and promises. And the daily experience, as we live our daily lives, we go through whatever it is we do in our lives, the daily experience of Christian joy is linked to closeness with Jesus. That when we walk closely with Jesus, joy comes. So as I was thinking about this in my own life, I began to think, well, there are days when I don't feel joyful. So what does that mean? And you can ask yourself this morning, like, am I lacking joy in my life? Am I lacking joy in some of the things that I do? And again, there's a lot of days that I am. And so maybe... If that's where you're at this morning, lacking joy, maybe we need to kind of examine our lives and maybe we need to say, God, would you have mercy on me? The Bible uses a fancy word called repent, which just means to change direction. Maybe I need to repent of a lack of closeness in pursuing Jesus. If, I'm, if joy is missing in my life, there's some other issue. It's that I am forgetting who Jesus is. I am not seeking after him. I'm not pursuing him. I'm not listening for his voice. I'm not remembering the truth about Jesus. And it will lead to a lack of joy because we get our eyes off of God and we get our eyes on everything else. And maybe we need to deal with that in our own hearts. But here's the good news, right? That when we are honest about our sin, when we're honest about our weakness and our need for God, God loves us. God loves you and willingly, willingly will give grace. Willingly will give forgiveness because of his love for us. What the Bible teaches, again, I'll, I'm going to wrap this up as we close. When we think about this idea of joy. It's the thing that takes joy away is being separated from God. Every single person is separated from God. At one time, we're separated from God because of our sin. Because we have said, I will do my own thing. We are born that way. It's our nature to do our own thing, to rebel against God. And because of that, the Bible teaches that we deserve punishment. We deserve judgment. Again, this is like, well, wait a minute. That doesn't sound very nice, right? But what did God do in the midst of that? Even though you and I ran from God, we rebelled against God, we did our own thing, God in his love and his mercy didn't just say, well, I hope you guys do better. He didn't just say, well, forget about you, you've messed up, you're done. No, God in his love and his mercy came to earth, sent Jesus as his son, Jesus his son, to become human like you and I. And Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life. He did everything that God required of him. He always obeyed God. He always did what was right. 
And then Jesus, the only one who did not deserve punishment, willingly sacrificed his life for you and I. The punishment that you and I needed to to have, needed to to take, that we deserved, Jesus said, I will take it. And Jesus went to the cross and died on the cross to pay for my sin and to pay for the sin of the world so that anyone, any person, who looks to Jesus and says, Jesus, because you took my place on the cross and because you rose from the dead and conquered death, I can be forgiven. And I can come back into a relationship with God. I can come back to a place, I can come into a place where there is real and true joy that comes from knowing God. The reality of that is that any person who comes to a point and says, I recognize that I'm sinful, and I recognize that I cannot fix myself. I can't just be better. I can't just do more good stuff. I can't earn my way to God. And when we recognize that there is a longing in our hearts, there is an emptiness in our hearts, that every single one of us knows exactly what that feels like, the feeling of emptiness, the feeling of there's got to be something more. And the something more is that you and I were created to be in relationship with God. And we try to fill the emptiness with all kinds of stuff. And we run from God and we try to say, oh, that'll make me happy. She will make me happy. They will make me happy. This job, whatever it is, that place, then I'll be okay. And the emptiness continues because you and I were created to be in relationship with God. And our sin is the thing blocking it. Our sin is the problem. But God in his grace said, Jesus will take your place. And so what do we do? Do we say, okay, I'll clean up my life? No, we say, God, I recognize that I'm sinful and I need you to forgive me. I put my faith and my trust in you. I can't put my faith and my trust in anything else, in myself and other things, because it doesn't work. But Jesus, I can put my faith in you. And the Bible uses, again, that word repent that says turn from sin to say, I'm turning away from this life of sin and I'm turning my life towards God to say, God, my faith is in you. And in that moment, our life is made new. We are spiritually, we are brought to life. We come into relationship with God, a place where we can experience joy, a place where we can experience the fullness that God gives. That's what it means to be a Christian, to follow Jesus. It's to put our faith in him and him alone. Maybe this morning you need to put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you've been running from God. Maybe you need to say, I don't understand it all, but I have to put my faith in Jesus as the one who forgives my sin and brings me into relationship with God. And this morning, if you're lacking joy, run to Jesus. Find your life in him. Find your hope in him. Find your identity in him. Because in Jesus, we can have a joy that can never be stolen no matter what we face. Because I would say that the world around us, life, you know, is like bent on, it's like purposely trying to steal joy, right? You can watch the news and it's like, wow, this is depressing, this is awful, right? Life is trying to steal joy, but in Jesus we can find joy that cannot be taken. So Jesus has come to bring joy. We're going to close and um, we're going to sing together again. And we're going to sing a song called Jesus is Better. Um, and, I, and I love that kind of goes along with this because we think about all the things of life. We think about all the things that we face that we can say, no matter what, Jesus is better.
Jesus is the one that fulfills our hearts. Jesus is the one that makes us right with God. And as we sing, I challenge you to begin to say, God, what steps do I need to take? Maybe, maybe I've been lacking joy, and maybe I need to run back to Jesus. Maybe this morning you need to put your faith in Jesus for the first time. Maybe you need to call someone and ask for forgiveness. Maybe you need to say, I have, been, I have not been like taking time to notice who Jesus is and to recognize Jesus, and so there's no rejoicing, there's no worship, there's no joy flowing out of my life. And go find out why in your life. Ask God, God, why is there no joy in my life? And run back to Jesus. After we sing this song, we're going to take time to celebrate um, communion together, which is just simply a time to remember who Jesus is and what he has done. So let's, um, let's stand together this morning, and I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to have time to worship together. God, I thank you for your grace this morning. Thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you that you have come as the Messiah, as the Son of God, and that we can find joy in you. God, we want to fix our eyes on you this morning. We want to worship you because you are worthy of worship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.